Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Millennial Life Admin podcast, personal growth for your work, life, and money. My name is Kimberly, and I'm here to help you develop the personal growth skills to make and manage your money to create work-life balance. How? By tackling the self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and procrastination habits that are holding you back. And today we're going to be talking about June 2020. This episode is going to be my personal growth update for June. And if you are unfamiliar with this series, it is um, actually a more candid, unstructured episode where I talk about the behind the scenes of, of what's happening in the podcast and some personal updates regarding me and how I've been doing. So June has been a heavy month. I am recording this episode at the beginning of July and June has come with a lot of learning and I just can tell that this is going to be a very long episode and I will be primarily speaking of about the movement that has happened in June that is so important, and that is, of course, Black Lives Matter. I'm not going to be actually talking about the movement itself in this episode because I am not the expert in this field. I will link some resources in the show notes, but if you are a listener of this podcast and a part of the MLA community, you I know that you are someone who cares about social justice and are aware of what's going on. Um, on in the world and have taken the time to educate yourself and to seek out the resources regarding Black Lives Matter. I will be sharing resources that I've personally found very helpful um, in the show notes and I've shared some on Instagram as well. But today I really wanted to share my personal growth when it comes to social justice in and in alignment and what's with what's happened with Black Lives Matter and how I've been processing what's going on. Now, I don't mean to make the movement um, about me or anything like that. I just think that it is worth sharing my personal growth journey with social injustices um, and how I've been um, again, processing it in case you find it helpful. And that to really share that if you are navigating this personal growth journey when it comes to social injustice, it just know that it is a it is a journey. And there are many steps and there are many um levels of development along the way. And I'll be sharing my journey so far. And just as a little bit of a disclaimer, um, I, again, am not an expert on any of this material. I am sharing my personal growth alongside with you. And this is a discussion. So if I say anything in this episode that is incorrect or offensive or um, that you find um, damaging or would like talk to talk more about, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm at Millennial Life Admin on Instagram. My email is Kimberly at MillennialLifeAdmin.com and it's the contact information is always in the show notes. But today I really wanted to talk about um, personal growth when it comes to social justice. And so that's going to be the primary topic. It, in this episode because it's going to be very long and I'll be sharing some more other kind of personal updates in my next personal growth update for July. So today I'm just going to get started by talking about 
some resources that I've personally found very helpful when it comes to um, understanding and learning more about Black Lives Matter and to give you a little bit of context of where I started. So the after the murder of George Floyd um, at the end of May and the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, because Black Lives Matter, the movement, I believe, I think it began in around 2013, 2014. I do know it began with the um, with the murder of Trayvon Martin, but um, I really didn't know that much about um, black history within um, the United States. I did know some, to be fair, though, because I... Have um, I have my degree in political science, and I actually minored in psychology, but I was very close to minoring in history, and I learned a lot about Canadian history, and Canadian politics is really was my area of focus, but a lot of it overlaps with America. So I did know some American history and American policies, but the one resource I found super helpful was actually the documentary 13th on Netflix, and it was incredibly well done. It was all about the root, uh, um, the history and the continuation of slavery in the United States. And I found this especially helpful if you are not American like myself. I am Canadian. And again, I do know American history and context with Canadian history, but I'm not an expert in it. And there were things that in the documentary that I did already know, but there were so many other things that I didn't know and I found it super helpful. So if you haven't watched it yet, I really recommend it. Again, it was just very well done for a documentary as well. The next resource I've been learning from is actually a person and um, that is Ibram X. Kendi. If you aren't familiar, he is an American author and historian and expert in the um, field of anti-racism. He has a book um, called How to Be an Anti-Racist. He's also written a book called Stamped, Anti-Racist Baby, and other works. And I've been reading a lot of his um, uh, of his books and material. I also follow him on Instagram. And personally, I really like learning from him because I really like the way that he explains concepts and his honesty and just how raw he is when he t- speaks about um, how to be an anti-racist and Black Lives Matter. I've really enjoyed learning from him. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend checking him out. But going back to how personal growth in s- social justice, one of the things I really think that we really need to talk about is actually the power of shame. So when we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we talk about social injustice, it's very easy to feel shameful in um, learning about it and in speaking about it. I know I definitely did when it came to Black Lives Matter. And shame is so powerful. As humans, um, usually we experience it by either moving away from the shame, so withdrawing from it, or moving it towards it and people-pleasing. And I could feel myself actually being pulled in both direction when it when it came to Black Lives Matter. So a part of me was actually moving towards the shame. So um, I was starting to feel like, oh, maybe I should share more. Maybe I should, um, you know, um, do all of these things. 
almost to a, a, an extent of people pleasing because I was scared that if I didn't do that, people would think, oh, you must not care about Black Lives Matter. And of course I do, but I didn't know how to communicate it in um, a way that wasn't uh, just doing it because I felt shameful. So I had to be very cognizant of that. And the other um, feeling um, and struggle I felt was actually being very shameful of and withdrawing from it. So it would have been very easy to cut off social media, cut off news, because like if anything, like it was a lot. Learning about social injustice comes, especially how it happened um, with Black Lives Matter in June. It, it, it was easy to feel overwhelmed by the wave of shame and the wave of guilt. Um, that can um, come out of it about how you process it and how you're reacting and how you're acting towards it. And I'm sharing these um, feelings because I wanted, I'm on my personal growth journey right now where I try not to be tempted to move away or towards the shame, but I actually to move with it and to grow with it and being very comfortable by with feeling uncomfortable, like it's okay to feel um, unsure of how to react. It's okay to um, feel guilty. It's okay not to feel guilty and really processing and learning about that and understanding how I can best help without feeling shameful Um, and being not, not just feeling shameful, but being controlled by my shame. So that's actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because it is going to move into what I wanted to talk to about next, which is how I've been processing Black Lives Matter and everything that's happened in the past couple of weeks. So to be honest, I have felt guilty about not feeling guilty the past couple of weeks, not feeling more guilty because I spent a lot of time in the social injustice space and um, I've spent years actually um, seeking out resources, educating myself, and really challenging my beliefs. And I'm going to talk a lot about that history in this episode because it actually has kind of led me to where I am with the Black Lives Matter movement right now and my feelings towards it and how I'm actively helping in the way that I feel um is most in alignment with myself and is most helpful for to the, to the movement itself right now as well. So to give you some kind of like background information about myself, I studied political science, like I mentioned in school, and I minored in psychology, Very came very close to minoring in history. My primary focus in my studies was Canadian politics and Canadian history, and that's what I work in now. But I, for a long time, thought that I would want to work in international relations and for the UN. And there, like, I could go into a whole episode on why I chose to not go into that path. But basically, I spent four years learning, talking about, and discussing power and politics. And it's really hard to talk about these topics and not talk about social injustice, racism, discrimination, and conflict. So I'm actually very comfortable with speaking about these um, topics. And it is actually what has led me to where I am right now in processing Black Lives Matter in the movement is that I'm very comfortable talking about race and discrimination, 
not just right now, but I always have been because I've um, almost been kind of forced into it. Um, when you're studying um, these kinds of topics and you're debating these kinds of topics, even if you are uncomfortable, this is what you study. So having to learn with having uncomfortable conversations is something I've, uh, I've grown accustomed to. And my experiences in, um, you know, talking, learning, and engaging in racism and social injustice is has taught me that personal, like, uh, social injustice is a personal development and growth journey in itself. And so right now I'm at the stage where I'm less critical of how other people respond to the movement. Um, of course, it's important. Of course, social media is incredible. Like it was the thing that fueled um, the uh, um, the arrests of those officers after the murder of George Floyd. I think it's incredible. I think that it needs to keep going, obviously, for other people to get justice like Breonna Taylor. However, I've actually become more vocal and critical of government, um, especially because I work on it and policies in our systemic structures that enable racism and discrimination and its economic and social impact on minority groups. So that's kind of just where I'm at right now. And I'm going to talk, I'll walk you through my experience because even though I'm not an expert on like at all on social injustice, Black Lives Matter, anything like that, um, I do think of these um, personal growth updates as like my audio diary, and this is what I'm growing into at this point. And so I'm going to give you the history of where how I got here, but it is, again, I'm just growing and learning and developing, and one day I might listen back to this episode and think, oh, what what were you thinking? But that's okay. That It's okay to challenge that part of myself and say, you know what, you weren't, I hadn't learned more yet. So to start off with, I have always been interested in social injustices, I, I, even as a very young kid. I think I, I joined my my um, first Amnesty International group when I was like 12 and I was writing letters to government officials about the social injustices that were happening in the world. And that was the first step is actually I chose to study and learn about social injustice. And that I think that's the first step in the personal growth journey when it comes to social injustice is just educating yourself. So I sought out the resources to learn and educate myself even when I was very young. And um, I continue to do that even obviously as I grew up because I chose to major in it in university. And so the concerning thing that I see people talk about right now is actually that they were never educated on it and I cannot speak to other school curriculums in other districts in other countries or anything along those lines but I personally do felt do feel like I was educated on it um but to an extent but also because I chose to further my education in it so um especially in Canada, like I learned about the social injustices that happened around the world. Um, there was only so much that can get, could get covered in my grade 12 history class, but I learned a lot. And thank you, Mr. Axford, for that. Um, he was my grade 12 history teacher and he most people thought he was boring, but you know what? I found his class very interesting. And um, I, I continued to learn a lot about it through other works like English. We read like To Kill a Mockingbird and that also really um, had a tr um, an impact on me when I was younger viewing race. Um, and I think that's a really good, good resource and book. But I will say that I really 
had to make this um, conscious effort to educate myself on social injustices and to um, the different perspectives and opinions that we'll cover in it. I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing right now, which I think is absolutely great. It's so necessary. And even though um, what's happening in the world is, I mean, terrible, horrible, um, so, but I, I, I actually do like, you know, the movement that's come out of like Black Lives Matter is so important. And the other thing that has come out of it that I felt is so important is there are a lot of diversity and inclusion and anti-racists and historians that are coming out now as experts in their field and getting recognized for the incredible, important work that they do. As someone who is a liberal arts major, I heard all of the jokes. I've heard so many people discount the education that liberal arts has. And um, I mean, I, I had so many people just make jokes and say, you know, what are you going to do with that degree? Why are you studying history and political science like and, and psychology? You're just going to end up like shoveling fries at McDonald's anyways. And I am just kind of so proud that there are so many people that are being recognized for the important work that they do. And now that the world is starting to see, hey, you know what? It is important to know history. Hey, it is important to talk about this kind of stuff. And the people who are experts on their field are being, again, hired as consultants, um, are now best-selling authors like Ibram X. Kendi like, uh, and, uh, and other histories and professors are getting recognized for their work in this area and arena. And so I, I just find that so important and I'm so um I, I don't know if I, proud is the right word to say but like I I I am I am so happy and proud that these people are getting recognized for the important work that they do and more than that um one of the things I had just when I was learning is that um when you talk about you know, race and discrimination in history, you do, it has to be a conversation. It has to be a discussion because there are so many different perspectives and so many different factors in these types of discussions that even when I was growing up and learning about social injustices, like I wasn't right. There were a lot of times, a lot of things that I would taught, was taught was wrong and I was being called out for them in debates and it, it was it had to be a debate. It had to be a conversation. I had to be around other people, which is why I found liberal arts such um like learning about political science so important. And unlike something like like business, because I actually got accepted into a business school and arts, um a liberal arts school and uh, as a major, and i I knew that business was something I could learn on my own. but like political science was not and social injustice was not something I could learn by myself. I needed help. I needed other people. I needed people to challenge me. I needed to challenge other people in their beliefs and have these and learn how to have these very challenging discussions. So that is something that I wanted to talk about was when we're talking, when you want to learn about personal growth, um, when you want to learn about social injustice, there is a, the first step in personal growth is, of course, educating yourself, but remembering that it is important to listen to others as well and have discussions in these kinds of topics. And I really learned how to do that with one class in particular in my third year of university called um, How to Be an Ethical Witness. And it was a basically a class on peace and conflict and 
social injustice, the conversations that need to happen, the, uh, the responsibility of the public and society, and a myriad of other things that I can't, again, don't want to get into because these, um, like just talking about that class itself could be like three podcast episodes and everything that I learned. But basically, it was about what is um, what is our responsibility um, as a society and what action we should be taking and who is it harming and who is it not harming and who is fueling and being a part and pulled in the conversation and who isn't. Um, and so that's something I actually really learned about uh, that I applied to when I was learning more about Black Lives Matter is that I was learning and I tried as best as I could to seek out resources from different people, especially since I'm not a Black person. I am a person of color, but I'm not a Black person. I don't live in America, so I don't know what it's like to be a Black person in America, basically. And I really tried to seek out different people's opinions like um i tried to see what it was like um the opinions of people who are black and who are protesting and black and who and who supported george floyd black people who didn't support george floyd the um perspectives and opinions of black police officers in this whole um uh, movement uh black nurses black doctors um uh black victims of different types of injustices. Um, and again, black people who supported the Blackout Tuesday, like posting that black, those black squares and people who didn't like it. I really, really try to seek out different voices and to create my opinion because I think sometimes with the problem, even though it's so great with social media, is that they get to amplify all these voices and it's, it's amazing. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it does actually... Um, uh, push something that we um, like that academia and that, that I learned about, which is a single narrative. So you're only able to be exposed to the opinions of basically what Instagram is showing you on an algorithm or, or your own personal circle is sharing on their stories and on their posts and the type of news that you intake. But it's so important to seek out opinions that really are outside of your circle to understand what um, what the movement is um, really being, what it is like for uh, um, Black people of all different backgrounds. And that was something I really learned in that um, uh, how, um, peace and conflict class about how to be an ethical witness is really seeking out different voices in something, especially when it's something that you have personally not experienced and something that does not directly impact you. So when I was talking, when we were learning about stuff in that class, it was a lot about international, actually, injustices. We spent a lot of time talking about Uganda and um, uh, the Congo. And so, like, I I mean, I'm a, like, an, like a person of color, but I'm sitting in a university, basically in a very beautiful building at one of the top universities in, in the country, if not the world. And I'm talking and thinking that I, you know, I have an opinion on um, what's happening in Uganda without actually seeking out the voices of Ugandans, like, and other people. Like, that's why I, that's how I applied um, my, basically, how I processed um, Black Lives Matter is that I'm not a black person in America. I really need to be getting different voices, getting different opinions, not just 
going out and seeing what Instagram and what my own personal circle shows me. Like I, I need to start seeing what other people are experiencing, even if I don't agree with it. Um, at least I understand someone else's perspective. So that is the first step that I think um, is very important in personal growth, in processing social injustice, educating yourself, and also seeking out different voices and opinions, even if you don't agree with them, and even if they're not your own, from your own circle. So the next step and level in my personal growth journey was actually starting to challenge my beliefs. I had um, learned a lot about history and new history, but and um, uh, it's about uh, when it came to social injustices, but I had to really um, critically analyze and think about how history um, and my knowledge and what's happening in the world, it's impacting people today. So back when I was studying that, taking that class, it was not, Black Lives Matter was not the like primary movement, um, especially because I'm from Canada. Um, the movement for Indigenous rights has been very prominent. And at that time I was taking the class, it was actually the same time as the protest for Idle No More, which is the push for and movement for Indigenous rights within Canada. And before I don't know more. Um, I didn't really, I like, I knew the history. I definitely knew the history of um, ind indigenous injustice, but I hadn't really understood the damage that it had caused and it continued to cause and my role in it. And so at that time, my classmates and I actually decided to do our final project on Idle No More. And we actually um, created a website and we wrote to a local um, a paper and got our article published up and really, you know, contributed to the dialogue for Idle No More. And um, as a part of the project, I also created a history of timeline within of in Dutch in injustices to indigenous people within the United States and within Canada and this was like a very um, eye-opening uh, project and um, for me and a time for me because it actually changed the way that I saw social injustice it was not just something that happens in the past it's not so something that happens in foreign countries developing countries far away it is something that happens at home and so to use, you know, the modern language, I guess this is when I became quote unquote woke to um, what was happening within the Indigenous communities and how I could help. Now, it was um, a very uncomfortable time, to be honest, and uh, it because I had to challenge my own beliefs and come be confronted by some very, not very pretty, like, prejudices and parts of myself that and beliefs I had towards indigenous people and their rights and um it was very important even and it, although it was very uncomfortable I learned that it is something that we continually need to talk about especially um in uh in a, a country like Canada um and also in America where we have such diverse populations I learned that you know prejudices happen everywhere and they um or actually happen a lot at home as well in these kinds of communities. So that is something I really had to learn and more come to terms with is how I'm processing social injustice and how I view it. And this is something that, um, another thing that I've been kind of seeing 
uh, in like social media right now is a lot of people in this current stage of personal growth within social injustice is actually learning so much that um, you want to share it with other people. And, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm sharing and talking about it absolutely necessary and required. However, I've been kind of seeing a lot of people shame other people. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of people who have very concerningly just almost quote like discovered racism, especially white people. I mean, if you are a black, indigenous, or person of color, I think the conversations of race and discrimination, if you have not ever had them, you've you've probably experienced it. Because I even as a child, I could experience racism and discrimination. And um, I didn't even know what I, I feel like I didn't even know what those concepts really were yet. Um, and you but you would get taught that. And especially if you grow up in an immigrant uh, as an immigrant family. But a lot of people, I feel like, have not only just discovered racism almost to an extent, but they also feel the need to shame other people for not being more educated. And Ironically, I feel like it's a lot of people who weren't educated themselves prior to June 2020 and prior to, you know, Black Lives, the resurgence, not even the creation, but the resurgence of Black Lives Matter um, uh, that felt the need to shame other people for how they're reacting to the movement when they themselves weren't educated, pro like even like a year, like a few, six months ago, or even a year ago to these kinds of injustices. And I can, on one hand, like it's concerning. And the other hand, I can kind of see where people were coming from. Because when I started to learn about I don't know more, I started to feel like a little bit of superiority to people who were, I felt, uneducated. Um, and one of the class uh, things that the, um, the, one of the concepts the class really taught me was that, you know, if we're like criticizing each other, is that actually helping the movement? And how are you actually helping? And what is your role as an ethical witness? And what is your responsibility? So that's why um, I mentioned earlier in the episode is that I no longer criticize, um, try to criticize other people for how they're showing up to the movement. I still, of course, am vocal about it. I definitely think people should be out there, should, um, not not just like posting stuff on Instagram, but like go signing petitions, donating, like please, please call your governors instead of just criticizing, you know, other people for how they respond to the movement. Please criticize how your voted um, government officials are dealing with this and how they are spending taxpayer money on on things that perpetuate police brutality. I I personally think that that makes a bigger um uh that that makes a bigger difference. And not only that, but if you consider how experts um, who in the field deal with things like Black Lives Matter and how they're processing and promoting it, they don't concentrate their energy on shaming other people because as I've learned throughout my personal growth journey in social injustice, that's not what's going to create change. Sure, that might make you viral for a day or two, but that, or make you feel good for being, you know, clapping back at someone, but to really, really push for change, you do need to change the system, not just criticize other people in the movement. And so going back to basically my journey in, in personal growth and in social injustice, um, when I learned about how to um, really criticize basically not just the ideas and concepts I've been taught, but how 
I, what I view as help, you know, as someone who had studied social injustice in books and with academia, again, it's easy to study this stuff if you're not actually directly involved in it. Um, and so, um, I really try to seek out opinions from people who are actually affected by it instead of trying to push my opinions based on my personal experiences onto people who, again, I, I don't know their lives. I don't know their history. And um, I don't know how they are processing or how um, these social injustices have impacted them. And so this has actually really translated in my travels. I actually go out of my way, and I know that sounds very morbid, but I go out of my way to um, visit places of genocide, especially um, in the past few years. I've, I, I really enjoy it, actually, because I like studying how not on only do conflicts get started, but how a country heals and what the citizens feel like afterwards and um, how it does actually the country does or does not heal and um, the aftermath effects of it. So a lot of places I've been, some of the places I've been is, you know, I went to Auschwitz, um, to the concentration camps in Germany, to the killing fields of Cambodia, to Kigali, to, the, um, to you know, understand the Rwandan genocide. But actually in every country I go to, because there have been basically, there has basically been conflict in every single country. I don't know any country has that has been developed or formed that was like completely peaceful and didn't have any like conflict at all um, or any race or ethnicity or social injustice or any kind of issues at all. I don't know any country that's done that. Um, but um, any country I visit, I actually, and it's, I think over 30, I don't even know anymore. Uh, I stopped keeping track after a while. Um, country I visit, the, the first thing that I actually like to do is ask local people, um, do you like your government? Why or why not? And it is a difficult conversation. Um, I have to find the right person who is willing to talk to me about this kind of stuff. And um, some people surprisingly are willing to talk to me about this kind of sometime, this kind of stuff. And I can see some people withdrawing from it, so I don't push any kind of conversations. But I find it very insightful to ask people, like local people, what you actually think about your government instead of me being an outsider only being fueled by certain news and sources and academia that like I'm going to tell you what your country is like no you tell me what you think of your country what you think of its history how has the government reacted and and um, not um, reacted or um, supported you throughout the your entire life and what is your personal experience so those are some of the things that I've really tried to seek out. And that actually led me in August 20, uh, not August, sorry, I don't know why I said August. I think I'm just thinking of the summer right now. But that led me to actually in 2016, do, deciding to do a volunteer trip to Tanzania. And I spent a few months actually um, doing working with women in microfinance in um, uh, in a village in Tanzania, and that's in East Africa, and I, I backpacked through East and uh, South Africa as well. And I went into this fully knowing that uh, and being totally aware of all of the criticisms of white saviorism, all of the criticisms of volunteerism, and the dangers of, of foreign aid, and equipped with all of this academic knowledge. But at the same time, again, it's kind of that dichotomy where I was, you know, 
a person who studied international relations and political science in school, again, in a university in like Vancouver, well, like a, a first world developed country in Canada, one of the top universities in the country, um, top 50 in the world, like in my safe little bubble environment. And I had all of these, like I was learning all about these um, social economic theories and political policies and stuff like that, that would actually take effect and debating on what would actually happen or what would be best for um, uh, not only Canada, but other countries as well. And it's like, well, if I'm debating, I'm talking all about, you know, the dangers of foreign aid. It is different when you are actually on the ground, right? And that was something I really learned, again, in that peace and poli- um, conflict class that I took about how to be an ethical witness is like, you can only have so much opinions based on your personal experience and how you're learning. But if you're on the ground, it, it you experience things very differently because political theory, social economic theories, all of this stuff, like it is great, again, in theory, but the execution of it is completely different um, um, of how things actually play out and actually what is best for the people. It needs to come from the people. Um, and um, instead of sometimes just academia telling other people like how to live and how to develop your economy and how to develop your um, political, um, uh, you know, your political policies without understanding the history of that area and understanding how people experience and, and how people re- will react to it. Right. And their um, uh, basically psychology and their their way of thinking and how that how they are processing the information, how they act on it as well. So that was something that I really wanted to seek out for myself. I was like, you know what? I again have read all of this stuff, not everything, but like I've read so much, so many things on um, white saviorism, foreign aid, volunteerism, especially. But and and I have all I'm a I have all this knowledge about political policies, social economic policies, but how is that going to work on the ground? So I went into Tanzania on this volunteer trip, and it took me like months to actually find an organization that was grassroots because I really, really did not want to be going on this like paid volunteer group with this big organization you know, who takes in all these volunteers to build schools or do all that stuff. Again, I have a lot of opinions on this. I don't any I don't think anyone who does it is a bad person, but I just really wanted to find something that was grassroots because I really wanted to see again, how does this work on the ground, not um from um foreign and international aid and assistance and also structures and a mindset but the grassroots mindset from the people themselves so I finally found one and it took me a long time and um this is one of those things where I was like I basically just went to Tanzania by myself and just said okay I'm just going to work with this organization and my parents were like you're not going to go with a group or something like where people actually you know like you know people and stuff I'm like no no I'm just going to do it on my own um and I learned so much and I could speak again for a long time on this. But this episode, as you can see, it's been long enough. So I actually, um, again, I was very adamant that I want didn't want to pay for the opportunity to do volunteer work. Because again, volunteerism could be an ep- episode by itself. But I learned that, you know, all of the challenges of doing 
um, of a grassroots organization and understanding what people, the, actually their voices and their opinions and what they want is actually different than academic policy. And because it, um, it doesn't translate in the same way. And my work in Tanzania was really in relation to microfinance and empower women women to like start their own businesses. And um, one of the things I really liked about the organization in particular that I was working about was it was founded by um, it was founded by one American, but she spent a lot of time and she actually lived for a, um, a portion of her life in Tanzania and another person who was a woman from Kenya. And so I really learned from them, you know what the challenges of grassroots organizations are. And I also learned that a lot of organizations that um, work and operate in developing countries are actually headed by, you know, a board of directors in, an, in a charity or NGO or an organization that are all white and who actually don't even come into the countries to understand what is the need of the countries and not just the needs of the countries, but the needs of the country um, in relation to what the people need and what they view as they need and what they view as they need um, as what they want instead of being told, really listening instead. And so that was something that I really had to come to terms with when I was in Tanzania. Again, if you want to have like a discussion about this, please send me a DM or or an email because I have so much I could say about this kind of topic. But I don't want to make this episode longer than it has to be. And um, but one of the things I had also really learned is that um, it is one thing to donate to charities and organizations, but it is a totally other um, playing field to actually so like economically um, help people like of developing countries and people who need help. And you might be thinking, okay, like, what does this have to do with Black Lives Matter and social injustice? I have a point. I really do. But um, uh, I'll give you an example of something that actually sparked this um, idea. And um, for me personally, is one day when I was coming back from the village I was working in, I saw a lot of people actually on the streets. Um, and I, I don't mean like streets as in like, like slums or anything. It's just a lot of people on the roads, basically. And I actually asked my um, my coordinator, who is Tanzanian, and I asked her, you know, there's a lot of people around. Um, is there something happening today? There's just a lot of people around. And she said, oh, these people are all working. Um, these, all, these people all used to work for the sugar factory in the village over, but they have actually all been laid off. And um, um, now they're now that's why they're in the streets right now, because they're not they're not at their jobs anymore. And when I learned about and when she was explaining more about what was happening to me, I realized that the sugar factory was owned by white owners. And so even though um, um, there were all of these white organizations doing charity work in the area, they were still like laying off jobs. And a lot of those you know, high paying jobs uh, in these kinds of industries in foreign countries actually do not belong to the people themselves. So um, there are organizations and people who are willing to do charity work in the area, but not actually give economic power for people to elevate themselves out of poverty. And that was a very like um, eye-opening experience for me um, to really see it in perspective because it is 
again, one thing for an organization to say that they are, you know, donating to charity. But at the same time, you have to, uh, I started to realize I have to analyze, but what companies are actually do, who do charity work and donations and all those kinds of things, but they are profiting off the fact that um, of by pushing other people like people of minority groups down and um, to economically to make sh- to secure their own ec- um, economic status. And this has led me to my current philosophy when it comes to social injustices. And that is people do not need to be saved. They need to stop being exploited. And in this case, this is how I am processing Black Lives Matter. I don't view Black Lives Matter as like a charity that or something that I need to support to feel sorry for the um for black people. I'm supporting Black Lives Matter and social injustice because people black people need to stop being exploited and stop need st- need to stop being targeted in police brutality. And th- um this is where I am currently in my personal growth journey when it comes to social injustice is really pushing and advocating for economic power and voting with my ballot um, because I want to keep government officials accountable on how they are spending taxpayer money because I work for the government. It's a lot of money that a government spend. And um, if they are using that money to basically enforce um, police brutality or um, policies that oppress Black people, Indigenous, or people of color. And the other way that I'm I'm really advocating for economic power right now is also ensuring that the companies that I'm supporting, you know, voting with my dollar, actually have values that um, promote um, uh, and support Black, Indigenous, and people of color and support Black Lives Matter, not just in their like social media and paying lip service and not even just in their marketing by, you know, placing um, minority, a black person or a minority person in their ads, but how they are truly um, uh, acting, what actions they're actually taking. So instead of just saying, again, just an ad here or lip service there, are you actually hiring black people into positions of power? What does your board of directors look like? Um, And I had talked about this in episode eight um, about how to deal with discrimination in the work and racism in the workplace um, is that I really encourage people who have had a negative experience to share their experiences because people like me are watching and we're trying to keep these companies accountable and we don't want to support companies that oppress black people or treat black people or indigenous or people of color negatively behind the scenes. Wow, I got a little fired up there, but I just wanted to share where I'm currently at and what stage I'm at in my personal growth journey when it comes to social justice, because um, something actually happened in the past couple of weeks that really showed that even though I'm becoming very conscientious of who I'm supporting and I'm voting with my dollar and who I'm economically supporting, it's not enough. And I wanted to also talk about the next stage, um, the one that I'm aspiring to in this personal growth journey, and that is how to be an anti-racist. So I'm going to share a story of um, something that happened the past couple of weeks that taught me this lesson in a very small but important way. So at the beginning of May, I actually purchased um, like a stock photo 
package from a black creator and her name is jasmine hunt but her company is called she bold stock and i will link it in the show notes if you're interested in it but i purchased her photos at the beginning of may and it had nothing to do with black lives matter Um, i mean black lives matter has always mattered but was not like as popular at the beginning of may before the death of george floyd but i just supported her because i wanted to because i've been very I've tried to be more conscientious of who again who I'm supporting the creators I'm supporting and also what I wanted MLA to look like and I'm going to be talking about business purchases because if you know me I actually don't make that many personal um, purchases I don't buy clothes and makeup I have hand-me-downs of everything and I've basically just been buying groceries and paying property tax the past couple of months. So I haven't really been spending that much money on myself, but I do spend money for MLA. And I was very, I wanted to be very conscientious of the image that MLA was actually portraying because there are a lot of stock photo options out there. If you are, if you are in business and you've ever considered buying these types of photos and a lot of them, like, I'm not hating on it because there's nothing wrong with it, but a lot of them are like blonde and white people and have a very certain aesthetic. And I wanted to showcase something a little bit different because I wanted MLA to be an inclusive community, but also because like I didn't want to view um, myself as someone who just only was pushing a, a certain type of image on towards my community. And that is what they because I know a lot of people come to MLA as like a role model community I don't want that to be the role model as well as just to have like white hair blonde like like sorry just to be white and have blonde hair with like that always looks fabulous in every aspect like that's not realistic to me um so I use a lot of my own images in MLA of course because that's easy and that's representation of me but I wanted to also use other images from other people basically that showcase other people and so that was something I did at the beginning of May and as great as that was and I'm not trying to like put myself give myself a gold star for that or like pat myself on the back because I feel like that was just very basic is just to try to be conscientious of who I'm supporting but I actually at the beginning of June I wavered on my own beliefs um, on that because Last month, I had um, there was this opportunity actually to buy a business bundle package, and this had this was something I'd um, seen before. And again, long story short, it was basically like a bundle of courses and resources from seventy five creators, and it was at an insane price. It was so value packed, and. If you know me, you know I love purchasing education. I love purchasing courses. And the this bundle was just amazing. And when I was reading through it and all of these courses and descriptions, I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to buy this. And it the sale was going on for a week. And this was actually the first week of June. So this is this coincided a lot with Black Lives Matter and the um and everything that was um happening around the world. And um, me also just from like being very conscientious of educating myself um, at this time as well. So even though um, like with all this going on in the world, I was like, I really want to buy this. But I realized that, you know what, maybe I should do a little bit more research into the companies that I'm supporting because that's what I wanted to do when it comes to um, supporting black people and pe- um, people of color. 
I can't just say Black Lives Matter. Like I wanted to also economically support Black people as well and uh, and people of color. And so on the website for this um, bundle, there was actually like pictures and um, course descriptions of everything. And it was like everything. It was like the marketing, planning, productivity, business, social media, all of this stuff. And some of the picture, like uh, the pictures on the courses were of the creators themselves. And some of them were very popular. However, some of them had stock photos um, as the image. And so you didn't even know what the creator looked like. So I decided to do my research and I actually went course by course and, and resource by resource, 75, um, out of the 75 creators that were um, a part of this bundle, 70 of them were white. And so there was basically no representation. It was like 90% of the people in this bundle were white. And I had to step back a moment and think about that and say, and to ask myself, is this something I want to be supporting? Because I have a very hard time believing that there is like not more black indigenous or people of color making courses about like social media, business planning. Like I, I find that very hard to believe. And I also had to think about, you know, like the fact that some of the creators were very popular and they're white. And that, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't like, obviously a person being white doesn't make them any less of a creator or make them any less intelligent or anything along those lines. I just had to ask myself, well, why didn't they, this um, bundle actually seek out voices from people of different communities? Because people, you know, black, indigenous people of color teach in a different way with different perspectives. And I find that very valuable. And I think that is important because I personally don't aspire to be white or only have a white audience or only cater to this. I want to be learning from people, from white people, which I do, but also from people of color. So I take courses uh, from different types of people because I want to learn their different perspectives based on their experience and their backgrounds. So I made the decision not to purchase this um, uh, package. But this is actually where where I'm going to um, explain my next level of personal, um, my next the next stage of my personal growth um, journey in social injustice, and that is learning how to be an anti-racist. This is something that Ibram X. Kendi has really taught me, and is still currently teaching me. By the way, is that it is not enough for me to understand, to be vocal, to challenge myself and my beliefs, and even not even un, um, uh, enough for me to support people um, economically or push for economic power. I have to be more vocal in being an anti-racist and being vocal for the um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color community. So I actually emailed this company and told them why I'm not purchasing it instead of just not purchasing it. And I emailed them and I was polite and I was respectful and nice and said that, you know, I had been um, uh, always interested in their products, but I could not purchase this in good conscience um, for the following reasons. And I hope that the next bundle or the next packages that they come out will have a more diverse background. And actually, the founder emailed me back and she explained, you know, that she didn't know what was going on and 
she's actually not from America, but, um, you know, all of her creators were American. She should have been more aware and, um, and, um, they're working on being more, being more diverse and educating themselves. And I realized that this is something that I'm going to have to be more comfortable in is how to be an anti-racist how to stand up even when it's uncomfortable and even when I don't necessarily need to. Like no one was watching me, but also like I I, I didn't have to do that, but it's something that I feel like now I have to be more vocal in. And I, again, am that's why I encourage people to be very vocal about the companies that they're working for. So if you listen to episode eight on how to deal with discrimination in the workplace, I talk a lot about the 10 ways to deal with this racism and discrimination. And one of them is that if you experience something, be vocal and like be um, and share your experience because I personally don't want to be supporting companies with my money on um, who have, you know, certain um, policies, racist, who have either racist founders, which has happened, but who have also pushed down or bullied or um, discriminated against black people or people of color. I don't know about you guys, but like a lot of companies have been coming out in the, of the woodwork in the past few weeks. And even though they posted all of this stuff on social media, again, showing people, trying to show people that they are not racist, that they are inclusive, but then have, you know, text messages or DMs or emails or things leak out. And to show that in the past couple of years and behind the scenes, even currently, they are not, they don't actually believe in that. And they're not actually, they're um, profiting off of the fact that they can feel good about themselves. And that's image towards consumers. But behind the scenes, they're actually um, suppressing and um, um, and exploiting and profiting at the expense of you know um, shutting down black people, indigenous and people of color. And that's kind of where I am right now in my personal development journey. Um, I don't know if everything that I'm saying is correct. <laughs> I don't know if um, everything I'm saying, um, I will always feel this way, but um, this is where I'm currently at. And I wanted to share this on the podcast today because this podcast is about personal growth, but it's also about money and, um, and like creating work-life balance and being again, uncomfortable in, um, and how to navigate that, that uncomfortableness when it comes to dealing with, um, social injustice. And I've always said this, and I really truly do believe it is that, um, money is a tool and it is a tool that is used to create the world that you want to see. And so that's why I really invite you and encourage you. And this is what I'm doing is to try to utilize this tool in the best way possible, not just with um, donating, which is still great. Don't get me wrong, but also pushing for economic power and supporting black, indigenous and people of color. So that's where I'm going to end off my the podcast episode today because, wow, this has been really, really long. And um, I wanted to also remind you then one of the reasons why I want to talk about this and release this podcast episode, even though it's so long, is, and probably not a lot of people are going to listen to it, is because um, I do think that it is an important topic to talk about, even when the world isn't, you know, isn't trend. Even if it when it isn't trending on Instagram, even when the world isn't talking about it every single day, because to be honest, social media, media itself will move on to the next thing. 
it's just, it's just what happens. But this topic needs to be a continuation of our conversation. And just be reminded that personal growth is a journey in and it, that includes social injustices. And if you're looking for like a better like person to talk about this and is actually that's why I really like Ibram X. Kendi because when he talks about um his about how to be an anti-racist he's actually very honest and raw about his own experience in it so his like resentment towards white people as well like he's honest about that because these are uncomfortable feelings that we all have to be okay with like Ibram I don't think woke up one day and was like I'm going to be an expert on anti-racism and I personally also didn't get here for um right away it took me literally years and took me a lot of challenging my own beliefs to actually get to where I am right now um but it is a journey and I I, I do think I still have a ways to go and the important thing is though that I'm I'm um trying not to feel better about myself, but I'm trying to um, really um, focus on how, what is the best way that I can help the movement? What is the best way that I can help Black people? What is the best way I can help Indigenous people? Not what is the best way I can feel good about myself. So that is the episode for today. Um, thank you so much for listening to this super long episode. Um, fun fact, I've actually recorded this, I think, three times um, because it was longer. This is like the edited version of it. There is so, so much more I could say. Again, um, because this is what I studied. This is what I worked in. This is what I've sought out and learned about for so many years. But I, I don't want it, this podcast to be like literally three hours long. Um, if I wanted to talk about everything. So if you want to continue the conversation, if you have any questions about anything, please feel free to send me a DM. I'm at Millennial Life Admin on Instagram again. Email is Kimberly at MillennialLifeAdmin.com. And I just wanted to say I really, really appreciate you listening to this episode fully through. Um, uh, if you If you found it helpful, please let me know. And um, I truly appreciate you and being a part of this community and also just being interested in this portion of personal growth. And until next time, happy spending and saving. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Money on Life and Men podcast, I highly encourage you to leave a review or rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. This helps more people discover the podcast and become a part of this community. Remember, we're all figuring out this work-life money thing together.